The year was 1492, and King Ferdinand had given Christopher Columbus the greatest assignment of his life. Travel along a water route to find Asia and come back with gold and spices and precious items. Christopher Columbus gathered a crew of people together, took a flotilla of three, three ships, and the sailors were excited. They were going on an adventure. And in their mind, they had the promise of wealth and riches and fame. But that excitement turned to anxiousness as weeks and months went by and all they saw was blue ocean. And so they were antsy, they were worried. And so the crew did what often crews would do in those moments is they would break into the captain's quarters and they would look at the captain's log to see how far they'd gone and how long they'd been away. Frankly, many of those sailors were uneducated and they were worried that they would fall off the edge of the world. And so this worry and anxiousness ended up turning to fear. And there was a whisper among the sailors, let's mutiny, let's mutiny. Christopher Columbus caught wind of this and he gathered the crew together and he said to them, I know you're worried about how far we've gone, but here's the promise I'll make to you. If you're willing to go two more days and we don't find any land, we'll turn back around and we'll go home. Many of you, you're looking at the logbook of 2020 and you're worried it's doom and gloom. In fact, some of you think that we're living in a meme. What's going on? We start off in January excited. This is going to be the best year ever. This is going to be awesome. Everything is awesome. It's a new decade full of opportunity. January went well, February went well, and then March came along and we walked right into a pandemic. And we started to worry, but the kids were excited because they had two weeks of spring break. And then there was a toilet paper shortage and people were losing their minds. Restaurants capitalized on this and they began to sell paper products on their menu. Who would have thought? And then April rolled around and virtual learning started and, and truly it was an adventure. Kids were offended that their parents couldn't spend all day with them because parents actually had to work. And parents were worried and stressed out and shocked because every two days when they would walk into the pantry, there was no more snacks. What happened to all the snacks? They ate all the snacks. Then May rolled around and tensions boiled over, lives were lost, and the heart of America was broken. But we still had June. We were excited because summer break was coming. We had online graduation and a calendar full of drive-by parties. We were secretly hoping that 2020 would be a mullet, business in the front and party in the back. But what we didn't realize was that we were actually living in a ShamWow commercial but wait, there's more. July rolled around and we had a Saharan dust storm and because of the second spike, 
The only thing that was open was nothing. In July, kids practiced Minecraft and Mario Kart and breathing way too closely and loudly near their siblings. Tensions boiled over, frustration, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then August showed up and we got hit with not only one, but two hurricanes. But then HEB came through like a boss and said that brisket was an essential hurricane supply. Praise the Lord for that. Then September rolled around and we stepped back into virtual learning. And kids, they had this idea that they could text us food orders like we're DoorDash. We want Chipotle and we want Chick-fil-A. And then parents, when they were correcting their children, just about lost their salvation when they tried to correct their kids because the kids would say, shh. I'm in the middle of a Zoom class. (laughs) At that moment, parents began to actively consider boarding school. Where can I send them? Anywhere but here. Now we're a couple days into October and we we have two and a half months left of this year and many of us, we feel like 2020 is an absolute dumpster fire. But the truth is, is that God still has a plan for us. As many of you know, the Columbus story ended well. But what you don't realize is some of the things that happened in the background. When Christopher Columbus told his crew, let's go two more days, he had seen something that they had not seen. When he looked through his spyglass, he saw birds flying in the far distance that only fly close to the coast. He told them, instead of stopping now, let's keep going forward. The reason we know this is because Christopher Columbus had a second secret logbook. And in that logbook, he actually documented how far they'd actually gone and how long they'd actually been gone from home. He knew that they would make it. In fact, it was October 11th, 1492, when they finally saw land. Today is October 11th. Could it be that you're just a handful of days from getting to the shore? Here's my question. Do you trust that the captain of your life sees sees something that you don't see? Are you willing to believe the logbook of God instead of the logbook of the world? Are you willing to believe what God says in his word in this logbook? I hope you do, for you see, God has hidden blessings for you. And I believe in 2021, he's gonna open up the book, the secret logbook that he's been writing for you, and you're gonna discover how far you've gone and how faithful he's been and how far you've grown, and you're gonna discover that God has been with you the whole time, and he promised that if you're gonna go, he's gonna make sure you get to the other side. Some of us, We need to believe the instead of God. Instead of believing the report of the world, believe the report of God. Believe his report. So today we're beginning a new series entitled Instead. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at the Beatitudes. We're going to listen to the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at the first 11 verses of that chapter. And we're going to discover 
how God has an instead for us. Instead of being more, a better version of yourself, be more like Jesus. Instead of being a better version of yourself, become more like Jesus. And the Beatitudes are simply this, the attitudes of Jesus. I wanna invite you, I wanna challenge you to adopt the attitudes of Jesus. If you find yourself in a difficult moment in this season, don't buy into the attitudes of the world, buy into the attitudes of Jesus. And I promise you, if you adopt the attitudes of Jesus, you'll advance in this moment. Be willing to be more like Jesus. So today I've titled my message, Instead, Expect God to Surprise You. Don't expect gloom and doom. Expect God to surprise you. So I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. Let's look at the Word of God together. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In order for us to understand these verses, we need to understand the day and time that Jesus was living in and the people that he was preaching to. These people were humble Jewish people who had absolutely nothing. They were occupied by Rome. They were oppressed by Herod. They were being overtaxed by Jewish tax collectors who worked for Rome. They were being religiously oppressed by the Pharisees who gave them rules that they couldn't fulfill. They were, as the word of God says, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, I have something better for you. I have an instead for you. When we look at this passage, we see poor in spirit and we don't understand. How can we be blessed if we're poor in spirit? In order for us to understand this, we need to understand what this word means, poor in spirit. What it actually refers to is someone who has nothing to their name. They have no inheritance. They have no riches that are their own. They are completely dependent on a benefactor. And what Jesus is saying is, blessed are you who have absolutely nothing to your name. Because if you come to me, I will give you everything. I will give you the kingdom. You can still be blessed. And I know many of you, you feel like you have absolutely nothing in this season, you're completely depleted. I wanna remind you that if you have nothing, God still has everything, and he can and will give you everything. I have a question for you though. How desperate are you for God? How desperate are you for God? We live in this church culture that says God helps those who help themselves. But when I look at scripture, what I've discovered is that God helps those who are dependent and desperate for him. In fact, the level of your desperation determines the level of your dependence. How desperate are you for God? If you have nothing to your name, the only one you can depend on is God. And when, you, when God is all you have, you discover that he's all you need. I want to encourage you, don't rely on yourself or on your situation or on what you can do for your own life. Depend on God. Because if you depend on him, you get everything. If you get the king, you get the kingdom. If you accept the king, you get the kingdom. 
Be willing to rely on him. So today at the end of service, we're gonna give you an opportunity. If you don't know the king, if you've never accepted the king into your life, we're gonna give you the opportunity to make that decision. In fact, for those of you who are online and you're a believer, can I just invite you to, to type Jesus is king in the comments? There are people who are watching with you who are facing difficulty and they need to be encouraged. And you saying Jesus is king of your life can encourage them. So type it right now. We get the king, we get the kingdom. Many of us, though, we don't understand what the kingdom of God is all about. In fact, it seems a bit of a mystery. Fortunately for us, Jesus, in that very same sermon in the next chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, he prays a prayer that many of you know, the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, we get a glimpse of what the king the kingdom of God is all about. In fact, I want to invite you to say it with me together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm gonna end with the doxology that often accompanies that verse. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Some of you, you need to incorporate this into your heart. You grew up saying these words. But I wanna challenge you to say this as a prayer. Say, God, you're in heaven and I need you. I need you to supply all my needs. I need you to make sure that your kingdom comes in my life. And in this moment, this world does not have anything to offer that can advance my life, but you can, and I need you. Today, I wanna share with you a couple ways. Depending on God helps us. Number one, depending on God helps us see what's possible. That prayer starts by saying, our Father who art in heaven. God is in heaven, we are not but yet he still invites us to go higher with him. To see what's possible, go higher with God. In fact, verses one and two of Matthew five say this, now Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. Once his disciples came to him, he began to teach them. The crowd that gathered at the foot of the mountain, they wanted to see a show, they wanted an experience, but the disciples who were willing to climb higher wanted an encounter with Jesus. And there are things that Jesus taught them because they were willing to go higher that the crowd didn't get to hear. If you wanna hear the secrets of God, be willing to go higher with Jesus. Be willing to go higher with him. If you want God to elevate your life, let him elevate your perspective as well. This past week, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a commercial airline pilot, and I asked him, I said, what do you do when you encounter a storm or turbulence? He says, we have three options. We can either fly slower through it, we can go around it, or we can go higher. He went on to say that we often have to adjust the pitch of the plane to go higher. He says, we have to change our attitude. In the cockpit, there's an indicator called the attitude indicator, and it 
tells the pilot how many degrees upward the plane is flying. And here's the spiritual principle. In order to go higher, you have to elevate your attitude. To change your altitude, you have to change your attitude. Changing an attitude transforms our altitude and our atmosphere. Some of you, you're looking at the atmosphere that you're living in, the circumstance and the situation that you're living in. You're like, how do I change this? Starts by changing what's happening on the inside. If we're willing to adopt the attitudes of Jesus, it'll take us higher and it'll change the atmosphere that's around us. We need to commit to changing our attitude. It'll take us higher. He went on to say, there's a couple reasons why we also fly higher. Number one, pressure drops as altitude increases. When we go higher, pressure goes lower. When you go higher with Jesus, the pressure goes down because you're closer to him. Number two, there's less friction and drag. There's less pulling, pushing against you and pulling against you. Number three, we fly higher because it burns less fuel. There's less fuel burn because when you have less drag or pressure pushing against you or holding you back, you can go further and farther and fly more efficiently on the same fuel load. Some of you are burnt out. You have no more to give. And what Jesus is saying is if you're willing to go higher with me, I'm going to make sure that you can go the full distance with the energy that you have in your tank. And finally, they fly higher because it allows them to see further. It allows them to see beyond the horizon. There's things that you can't see because you're flying in the clouds. And God is saying, can I just elevate your perspective? Can you see things the way I see them? There's clear skies right where I live. If you're willing to go higher, I'll help you see what's possible. Don't stay stuck in the clouds. Go higher with me. If you want to see God move, Go higher. You'll feel less pressure, less friction and drag. You'll burn less fuel, and you'll see farther. You'll see what the king sees. You'll see what the captain of your life sees, and you won't be afraid. Number two, depending on God, helps us fix what's broken. Lord's Prayer says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Many of us, we try to make adjustments to our life, but we fail to realize that forgiveness is an essential thing that we need to do as believers. It's absolutely essential. Many of you are wondering, why can't I move forward? Why is there drag in my life? It's because you're carrying things that God didn't intend for you to carry. Forgiveness fixes what's broken and sets us free. Many of you who are here say, but pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand the struggles that I've been through. You don't know what they have done to me. Do you know that our sin put Jesus on the cross? We can forgive because he forgave us. Forgiven people forgive. Ask God to help you understand the price he paid for you. In fact, whenever you feel bitter, I'm, I'm praying that God would remind you of him hanging on the cross, on a bloody, rugged cross for you so that you can forgive. This is what this verse is all about. Forgive me my debts, God, my sin debts. And in the process of that, remind me that I need to forgive those who have a sin debt against me. Let me just say this briefly about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an option, it's a command. 
It's not when it's convenient. We do it because it's right. Number two, forgiveness doesn't mean we're saying it's okay. If somebody did something to you and it was wrong, then it's still wrong. It's not okay. And number three, forgiveness doesn't mean you actually trust them anymore. Trust is built by trustworthy behavior. I can lend money to someone and forgive their debt if they don't pay me back. But guess what? I don't have to trust any more money to them. Forgiveness does not equal trust. But God wants us to forgive because forgiveness sets us free. If you feel like you're locked up in a situation, you're connected to something negative in your life, could it be possible that God's inviting you to forgive? If you want to go to the next level and inherit the kingdom of heaven, be willing to forgive. And number three, depending on God helps us restore what's lost. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don't let the devil destroy you in the dark in this season. Don't let him tempt you back to things that God has already redeemed you from. Don't go back to drugs or alcohol or pornography or anything that's negative that is dragging you down. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't throw in the towel. Don't allow Satan to, to make you believe that ending your life is the solution. God wants to restore what's been lost. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that God always gives us a way of escape. There's always an escape route that God provides to you. God not only rescues what's lost, he rescues those who reach for him. This past week, I read a story of a church group in New York. They had just finished serving at a food pantry and they felt burdened to pray for their city. So they went to the East River and they began to pray over their city. And then they said, amen. But they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And they said, we need to pray just a little longer. We need to stay a little longer. When they said amen the second time, the team looked up and they looked at the East River. And there in the river was a man face down. He was face down in the water. He had attempted suicide. One person from the team called 911. A man jumped into the river and pulled the man out. EMS was able to get there very quickly. And as EMS was working on this man, the team began to pray. They said, God, rescue this man. EMS took the man to the hospital. And then a policeman came up to them and said, this man needs what you have. You saved his life because you were here. Could I suggest to you that you're here in this moment because God wants to communicate to you that he wants to rescue you, that he wants to restore what's been lost, that he wants to transform your life in a powerful way. And so today as I close, I want to invite all of you to stand. Put your Bibles and your electronic devices down. And if you're at home, I want you to silence every distraction. God wants to have a conversation with you. Many of you, you feel like Christopher Columbus's sailors. You've lost all hope. You're ready to mutiny. You're ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to turn back. 
But Jesus is saying, I'm here to rescue you. So I want to give you a moment with the Lord. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you, you're here and you know you need Jesus. You've never made a decision for Jesus or maybe you've ran away and you feel like you can't get back to him. Well, he's here to give you and instead allow him to surprise you with life and hope and a new future. So if you're here and you need to make a decision for Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. Yes, hands going up all around. Yes. Here's what I want you to do. You can put your hands down. Remain with your eyes closed, and I want you to pray this prayer. In fact, I'm going to invite all of you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, this is a difficult season. And many of us, we've lost hope. Today, I declare my dependence on you. Forgive me, God, and help me forgive others. But deliver me from this situation. Be the captain. Be the Lord of my life. And lead me through this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, congratulations, you've taken the most important step. God now can bless you and advance your life. If you're here in the room, just text the two words, new life, to the number on the screen. Or if you're online, just click on the link. We want to encourage you in your faith walk. But now we have an altar moment. In fact, in just a moment, the worship team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in some songs. If you are here today and you feel like you have nothing left in the tank, you feel empty, you're ready to mutiny, you're ready to give up, you're ready to throw in the towel, this moment is for you. Here's what I'd like for you to do. If you need God to pour something into you, give you an instead in your life, I want you to come up to this altar and just stand on one of these socially distant spots and I just want you to worship. Instead, expect God to surprise you because if you get the king, you get the kingdom.